0: Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Tuesday night as I'm recording this, getting snowed in in my apartment currently. uh, There's a lot of snow that's going out all along the Mile High area, so make sure everybody stays safe if you are listening to this in the car or if you plan to travel or anything like that. Make sure you're staying safe. The Nuggets lose this game 130 to 115 to the Minnesota Timberwolves on the road. Uh, It was a tough game to watch. This was a game where it really did feel over at the start. And I initially tweeted at halftime that if you think that this game is over, then you're high. Uh, I clearly was intoxicated at that point. It's very, very clear Denver just didn't have it. Uh, They approached the third quarter as such. And then never really were able to get back into the swing of things. After an initial second quarter routing, uh, where Denver lost that second second quarter 39-23, to 23, they were down 18 at the half. It didn't necessarily feel like they couldn't have come back from that, but Denver needed to make a big run at the beginning of the third quarter. Instead, things went the other way. And it's just one of those games where as many people were quick to, point out, uh, quick to point out to me, that it's just one of those times where you lose, you're in the midst of a road trip, you've had a lot of great performances, you can't win all of them, and then you have a little bit of a letdown here. And it's tough. You, you don't ever want to see this big of a letdown because it was massive. Denver was down by 30 at one point. So I have to imagine that things are like, it's it's up and down. In the Nuggets locker room right now, where you just built up a lot of good energy, a lot of good faith on a five-game winning streak. You have a letdown performance now. Now, the, the thing that you have to go through is, can you bounce back from it? You've got a game tomorrow, on Wednesday, against the Utah Jazz, where they're going to be without Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. So you better bring it in that game if you're not going to bring it in this one. And that's the game that you would prefer to win for sure. Uh, so, we'll, we're just going to have to see whether Denver does, in fact, bring it. Uh, but let's go over this game. I do think it's important to at least cover it. This is going to be a shorter podcast than normal, just because there's not a lot to talk about. Like, this was just a game where Denver was clearly outclassed. Uh, we'll go with the starters at the beginning and spend probably less time on them than we will on the bench. Uh, just two segments today. The starters today, uh, it was very Jokic-centric in the third quarter, wasn't really that Jokic Jokic centric. In the second quarter, when the starters were just kind of giving the game away a little bit, not the not the game, but but things were kind of getting out of hand. Uh, it sort of felt like Jokic had a pretty good game: twenty-one points on twelve shots, got to the line nine times, uh, six of twelve from the field, one of four from three. Eight of nine from the line, 21 points, 16 rebounds, eight assists. Did have five turnovers, all in the first half, and you never want to see that. You you always want to see Jokic being aggressive, and there were a couple of turnovers that weren't his fault, but they were still turnovers. You're still giving away possessions, and the t- the T Wolves. It only says that they had 11 fast breaks, if or fast break points. It felt like they had more. Felt like they took advantage. Of Denver's mistakes on that end, and it just seems like when Jokic isn't fully scoring the basketball, Denver needs to be shooting well. They need to be in a good space where the starters are shooting the outside shot pretty well. And Will Barton had it going; he was three of seven, which is about forty-two percent. Monte Morris was one of two, uh, but Aaron Gordon, oh of four from the three. And Jeff Green, O of 1, didn't have it. <laughs> I mean, I, I say that, but like he was O of 1. So starters didn't really shoot the ball well. Uh, they turned the ball over. Uh, Jokic had five. Each of the others had one. That's kind of the distribution that you're going to look at with Jokic playing as much as he is. Uh, and, and having as much responsibility as he does. So I'm not surprised about the offensive aspect of this. But the defensive aspect is where things really fall off the rails here. The T-Wolves scored 69 points, I'm pretty sure, in the first half. Yeah, 69. We're 30 in the first, 39 in the second. And Carl Anthony Towns was very, very good. Patrick Beverly was hitting his threes. But Jared Vanderbilt, I think, was the real story here. Where he was out hustling, out rebounding, uh, out-maneuvering the Nuggets tonight and just frankly outplaying yeah, them. Aaron Gordon Jeff Green, they didn't really have any answer for Jared Vanderbilt, of all people. Uh, Jaden McDaniels didn't shoot the ball well. Anthony Edwards didn't shoot the ball well. It didn't matter because Jared Vanderbilt would have been the second-leading scorer on the Nuggets tonight behind Jokic, and Towns outscored Jokic by three. So it's just one of those things where Denver has – had a lot of great fits next to Jokic in the past. They've had a lot of great supporting players. Aaron Gordon is still a great supporting player. I think Jeff Green has done a lot for the Nuggets as well. But Jeff Green goes out there and grabs two rebounds tonight. Will Barton grabs three rebounds. Monte Morris grabs two. Jared Vanderbilt grabs five on the offensive end by himself and absolutely out-hustles Denver on a lot of occasions. Denver was still able to score in his minutes while he was out there. So he was only, he was a net neutral. He actually had one of the lower plus minuses on the team. But those extra points that he earned were debilitating when Denver was trying to find extra ways where they could come back and get into the game. He was always out there running, always out there hustling. And I do think he's one of those guys that Denver's going to have to think about. The next time they play the T-Wolves, hopefully they'll have more reinforcements. Not sure when the next game is, but hopefully they have Jamal Murray, Michael Porter back at that point, and maybe Denver can use some extra resources and extra help guarding a player like Vando. But we'll see. We will see what happens. Karl-Anthony Towns was very good tonight, mostly when he was... uh, like he was guarded by Jokic on a lot of his baskets, but not all of them. I actually thought that Jokic was pretty good defensively, especially in the first quarter. Uh, Towns just found his stroke later in the game. Also, was playing against uh, Jermichael Green in the second half, Zeke Naji in the second half a little bit, and they actually staggered their minutes in the uh, second half a little bit, where Nas Reed was on the court a lot next to or in place of. Carl Anthony Towns guarding Jokic, so it's one of the reasons why Jok got it going a little bit. But the other starters, offensively, there's not a lot to say here. Like Monte Morris was pretty good, 13 points, five of seven, one of two from the three. Felt like he was having a pretty good impact when he was going off the dribble, uh, and even on the catch and shoot, just just was in the right spots. Aaron Gordon though, not really impressed. And we're we're now getting to the point with his shooting chart, with his shot chart, that I have to keep looking at it every game and making sure I'm not making a fool of myself. But his only three makes tonight were in the paint, all right in the restricted area, and he missed every jumper he took. And when you start getting into these trends, he's going to be a hit or miss jump shooter. I think a lot of the shots that he's taking are ones that I'm okay if he's taking with less than eight seconds on the shot clock. But there are some early shots, like ones where it's a one pass and shoot, ones where he's shooting off the dribble, uh, just kind of getting into early offense, ones where he's running off of a DHO with yoke and then immediately pulls. And the three-point percentage for him, is I don't think is good enough for him to be taking those shots consistently. Now, it hasn't really hurt Denver because Denver's offense when Jokic is out there is usually just elite, very, very good. But it's one of those marginal things where against a T-Wolves team that just hung 130 points on you, you have to make every shot count. And there are too many of those with Gordon, especially lately, been kind of masked by a winning streak here and Gordon just running hot. Like, he, frankly, he's been pretty good as a three-point shooter overall, but I am still worried a little bit about this choice. I hope it continues to improve him as a player. I hope this just is a good transition to him being a good three-point shooter. And then if that's the case, then we can talk about it. But I'm pretty sure he's still at 33% or at least somewhere close to it. And when you talk about the best value shots that you could possibly get, a 33% three point shooter is not the best value. It never is. Usually you got to be above 36, 37, 38. And right now, on the season, Aaron Gordon is shooting 32.5% from 3. So he's got to be a little bit more picky. So does Jeff Green sometimes. He only went 0 of 1 tonight, but he's down to 32.7 as well. Jokic is at 37 and a half, Barton's at 37 and a half, Morris is at 37 got to be picky. Got to be willing to be a little bit choosy. Probably too many times where Denver's taking too ambitious of threes when they're trying to come back in situations like tonight. They've got to work for better shots. There's just too many times where it's just dribbling down the court taking a three. No offensive rebounder in position or anything like that. Just got to be smarter about it. Um who else? Who else? Will Barton was fine. Uh, I saw a lot of people complaining about him tonight. Thirteen points on eleven shots, three rebounds, three assists. He needs to be more efficient as a driver, like one of four from two point range. But I trust him a little bit more than I do Aaron. Or yeah, Aaron Gordon, and even Jeff Green with three point shooting. Now there were a couple times where he he hit a couple in the second quarter. I'm pretty sure and then decided he wanted to take one more, and I think he got blocked by Patrick Beverly, or whether it was him or Jada McDaniels or somebody like that, he got blocked. That happens pretty frequently where you know that he's going to pull. You know he's going to get those shots up. So, I do think that Denver, they're probably fine. It's probably nothing. But like I said at the beginning, if you're going to play like this, if you're going to bring this amount of effort on the glass – uh, the execution, then you have to be hustling up against the Utah Jazz tomorrow. And maybe they will. Maybe this will be a good wake-up call that, hey, not every game you're going to, you're not always going to have the shots drop. Sometimes you're going to need to just hustle out and and make some plays defensively in order to, to win a game like this. But we're just going to have to see. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the bench unit and a disastrous bench unit that it was. But first, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. This is a moment that we've been waiting for as football fans since September, and it is finally here in honor of the big game. DraftKings, they are giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. You bet just $5, you get $280 in free bets. Not a new customer, you can still experience Super Bowl 56 with same-game parlays as long as you combine multiple bets together from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you win. It is that simple. All you got to do is make sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code MHS. Get those 56-1 to odds on either the Bengals or the Rams. It is that simple. Bet just $5. You can get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code MHS. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. All right, we're back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Okay, let's talk about the bench unit because uh, as much as the starters, I, I think they could have been better. Jeff Green was a minus 11. Aaron Gordon, a minus five. Will Barton, a minus eight. Nikola Jokic, a minus seven. Monte Morris, a minus six. Those are not insurmountable totals. Like Those are not debilitating totals for a group that played the majority of the game. It's just that when they did ultimately come back into the game in the second quarter, the game was already lost, or at least in the process of being lost. And the reason it was lost was because of the bench unit that was out there. That unit, uh, we'll talk about it. Bones Highland at the one, Brent Forbes at the two, Austin Rivers at the three, Zeke Nagy at the four, Jermichael Green at the five. And I always list in, in my rotation profiles, I always list Zeke Naji at the 5 because I think that he should be the 5 as, as the biggest player on the court. Uh, he's somebody who should be the screener and, and popper, screener and roller, whatnot. Tonight, Jermichael Green was very involved, and I'm not really sure why. It certainly feels like the Nuggets are kind of defaulting back to the tendencies that really had them struggling as a second unit before this latest streak, before this latest change. Uh, Jamichael Green enters the game and and he has 12 points, four of 10 from the field, four of four from the, from uh, not from three, but from the free throw line. Goes 0 of 3 from three. And I tend to think that Denver's offense is really, really struggling when he's on the court in the middle of the floor because that's the only thing he really does. Sometimes he'll grab the offensive rebound and get some shots up, and then there are times that he'll find a a post-up on the baseline where Denver drops it off to him and he tries to post up Nas Reed gets blocked uh, or just misses. I really don't understand why Zeke Nagy isn't more involved in general. It always feels like Denver's treating him like a wing, why they're treating him like somebody who shouldn't touch the ball unless he shoots. But in reality, like, Michael Green is the same way. He's not a good decision maker with the basketball, or at least there's there's enough there that he probably shouldn't be the only guy who sets picks. And yeah, he does. Yeah, he does within Denver's bench offense. And to me, it it sort of feels like Denver's bench offense has been very limited. It's not just Jermichael Green. I don't want to point it at him because, just face it, Bones, Highland, Austin Rivers, Brent Forbes also sucked. They were also really, really bad today. They were minus 22, minus 23, minus 19, respectively, while taking the majority of the shots. Actually, they took fewer shots than Jamichael Green did, but Bones Highland goes two of eight from the field, one of five from three, has one turnover, only one assist. Austin Rivers, one of three from the field, one of two from three. Bryn Forbes goes one of seven from the field, one of seven from three, did not take a two-pointer. The only shots that he took were from three and he missed the majority of them. And This is the problem with Bryn Forbes specifically, because we've had a lot of games now, seven games, to really evaluate, not, I guess I say a lot, but I think we've had enough games now to really evaluate what Bryn Forbes does and what he doesn't do. And with the Nuggets, he is at his best when he's shooting the basketball well. When he's not shooting the basketball well, I'm not really sure what else he does. He grabbed a rebound tonight, but he's an awful defender. He really, really struggles at the point of attack, but also on help defense and making the proper rotations and things like that. He's just very small. And I'm getting to the point now where when, despite the fact that Denver just traded for him, despite the fact that he's a veteran who has had championship experience before, I don't think that the Nuggets have the insulation for him in order to take advantage of his best skill on a consistent basis. He probably needs to be a part-time player. I think that Bones should be a full-time player. I think that what he does on a consistent basis on both ends is a little bit better than what Bryn Forbes does because he has the ability to go off the dribble, create for others, get his hands in passing lanes, rotate over from the weak side at times. Bones is going to make some airheaded plays at various points, but I do think that we have enough data now on Bryn Forbes. Just watching him, seeing him in previous stops, to know who he is as a player, and that player is is when he's not shooting the ball well, it doesn't really help. doesn't really help matters. Denver was in a 2-3 zone for a lot of the game tonight, especially with that bench unit. They were doing their best to match up with the, the T-Wolves bench by forcing them to take outside shots. And the T-Wolves bench was happy to oblige. The starters for the T-Wolves, they shot well, one of eight, two of eleven, three of sixteen from the three-point line. The Bench shot 16 of 29. They were amazing. And Torian Prince was amazing as well. I think there's enough that when Denver had it, they just did this to the box, right? They they dared. The T Wolves to sh- or they dared the or the Bucks? Excuse me. Let me start over. The Bucks dared the Nuggets to shoot, and the Nuggets shot really well. Both the starters and the bench shot the ball really well. The Nuggets dared the T Wolves to shoot, and their bench shot the lights out. Torrey and Prince had the game of his life. He had twenty-three points and made six of nine threes. It was one off of a career high for them, for him. Malik Beasley, who the Nuggets should know very well. 12 points, 4 of 9 from 3, got his shots up, did well. Jalen Noel, 2 of 4 from 3, 4 of 4 from the line, really took advantage of the Nuggets and their attention on other guys and made it really, really difficult for the Nuggets to leave him. Jordan McLaughlin was a fantastic creator for the T-Wolves and generated 7 assists with the passes that he was making. And then Nas Reed was very good as a roller as well. He he hit the only three that he attempted to. Like, he was very good. It's just very clear to me that the Nuggets got hit with a very hot T-Wolves shooting team. The starters for the T-Wolves were what they were. They were fine. I thought that Denver basically played the starters even. The plus minus doesn't fully show that. But I think that had we played a full game, we would have seen that I mean, we did play a full game, but the starters had to come back in. I think Jokic was on a roll at that point that he would have been able to get back to an even plus minus. The bench got outshot. And it's pretty clear that if Bones Highland, Bryn Forbes, Austin Rivers are getting outshot, then it's just a lost cause that you are not going to perform well in any bench capacity. Now, why did they get outshot? Well, I thought that the shots, like Brent Forbes got a wide open three in the third quarter in the in the corner where he was already kind of cold at that point, but he, he missed that one. And you're going to miss shots, don't get me wrong, but there are some that you have to hit. That was one that Brent Forbes had to hit. He didn't get it to go. The majority of the other ones were not good quality looks. Like Bones, for the most part, taking very deep threes, very aggressive threes. Austin Rivers taking the... uh the ones that he usually takes, which are more difficult in general than just catch and shoot shots, Jokic at one point hit him in the left corner and he caught the ball, looked like he was going to go up from a three with a, with a semi-open shot, and then pulled the shot down. It's one of those where you just want to rip your hair out. But I do think that if you're going to play a Bones-Bryn Forbes-Austin Rivers shooting trio, then they have to shoot well, because if they don't, it's going to look like this. I do want to see them with a different rim roller, because Jermichael Green is not it. I don't know if DeMarcus Cousins is it is it either, because in a game like this one, where he's going up against Nas Reed, he was a pretty mobile rolling big man, or he's going up against Karl-Anthony Towns or trying to switch on to other perimeter shooters. Not sure what happens if DeMarcus Cousins is out there. Like, I think it's probably more of the same. Now, I do think Denver gets a good athletic roller who can set good screens, roll to the rim, and finish at a high clip at the basket. It might look and feel a little bit different than what happened tonight. I also think that if they're going to run pick and pops, then Zeke Naji should be the one popping because he's freaking good. He's up to 52% from three, and him only taking three threes in the game tonight where nobody else could really shoot, I feel like that's bad. He was three of three. He should probably be on the court, and initially he was the one that was pulled in favor of Faku Compasso in the third quarter. I don't get that decision. That's Michael Malone trying to match size for size a little bit, take advantage of Faku's hustle try to get somebody with a little bit more energy into the game, I think that was the wrong call, despite the fact that Denver's bench had really sucked. Like, I think that if you're going to play Faku, then you bench one of the three guards. You don't play him next to Bones Highland, Austin Rivers, and Bryn Forbes. Like, that just seems like a really bad recipe for disaster. In addition, we saw Marcus Howard come off the bench, give some good shooting minutes. Davon Reed had 10 points, four rebounds was a plus 14 and 9 minutes of garbage time. Clear garbage time by the way, just to emphasize that. But why is Davon Reed not played? Why is he not an option that's being considered? When well, we're talking about a potential option for Denver that gives them more size, a little bit more defense. If we're going to talk about why the Nuggets are giving up these crooked numbers at times, think Davon Reed not playing, that seems like a really Odd choice, because Bryn Forbes is not going to give you defense. Bones Highland, not going to really give you a ton of defense. So why is Davon Reed not playing? I don't really know. I don't really know. So we're just going to have to see. We're going to have to see how the Nuggets respond in this situation, where it's pretty clear that they were outclassed from the jump, that it took a little bit for it to sink in, but the T-Wolf shot the ball like crazy. Uh, the Nuggets turned the ball over like crazy, at least at the initial outset, and then they couldn't shoot as well. They just couldn't make the hustle plays, couldn't shoot enough, and ultimately were outclassed. So, how do you respond? Do you go into a game against the Utah Jazz tomorrow uh, when you're listening to this today? And do you go into that game and lay an egg? Does Boyan Bogdanovich go off again? Does Jordan Clarkson take Bones Highland to school? Like, how are we going to see, like, are we going to see a better effort and better execution level from the Nuggets to close out a road trip again in a very, very important game? Like, this game, this would mean a sweep by the Utah Jazz. The Nuggets, if they're trying to compete with this team, you don't want to get swept. Like, there's something psychological in that that even when they don't have their best guys, that you can't compete with them because it hasn't really been a competing thing with the Jazz the entire time, the entire year. The Nuggets have never been close to them at all. So how do you respond to that? Do you give up another 23s to the Jazz? Do you let them get 30 free throws? Do you not defend at all? Or do you take the fight to them? Do you get into the paint on a consistent basis and try to make up for what was a really, really bad game? I would hope it's the latter. I think that the Nuggets have earned one game where they're pretty bad, given that they've played really well over these past few games. Now, to be clear, they've had to make up some really bad moments. They had to make up against the Charlotte game, had to make up the OKC game, had to make up the Clippers game all of these bad losses where Denver just didn't show up either at the start or at the end of the game. So this is one where they've got to earn it back. Second night of a back-to-back, you're a little bit tired, you still don't have Murray and Porter. Can you gut it out? Can Will Barton show up, make some plays? Can Jeff Green show up, maybe take down Boyan Bogdanovich a little bit of a level. Can Nikola Jokic? can he finally, like, I mean, he had 30, 20, and 10, or 26, 21, and 11, or I think it was, in one of the last matchups. Is that good enough this time around? Or does he need to take it up an even higher level? I don't know. I'd hope that he doesn't have to. I hope that Aaron Gordon can hit some threes, that Monte Morris can hit some threes, that the bench doesn't go minus 20 like they did tonight. Like that would be a great sign of growth for this group that they could put this, this game tonight behind them and then go forward and continue to do some of the great things that they were doing initially. That would be great. But they need to prove it. They absolutely do. Like they have not earned that just quite yet. Whatever that is. Uh, that faith yet, I don't think. I think Jokic has. I don't think that there's any question about that. But we're still new to this bench group. It's very possible that this bench group could be in, in line for another really bad night. In which case, don't be surprised if Michael Malone has a very short leash for them. Next game. Don't be surprised if he goes to a different group. Next game. If Faku is back in the rotation, if Davon Reed's playing, if Marcus Howard is in place of Bryn Forbes trying to get better shooting. I don't know if that's something that they try. I don't think so. I think they try to keep it status quo, but I just wouldn't be surprised if they tried something different. But we're going to have to see. I am very curious just as much as everybody else is. But for now, that is going to do for this episode of Pick, and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. We will see if the Nuggets can bounce back. I'm looking forward to seeing it, because if they can, it puts them still closer to the 4-seed. It'll make up some lost ground. It'll give them an opportunity that they don't have to win every single game. Nobody's asking for that. But finishing a road trip 5-1 would be really cool. You don't have to finish at 6-0, oh, but there's a big difference between 5-1 and, one and losing your last two a big big difference we'll see if they can get there thank you so much everybody for tuning in really appreciate all the love and support talk to you guys tomorrow